what we don't realize is that our imbalances, like our symptoms showing up in the first place are just a result of a broken metabolism. And if we understood this, and if we understood that our metabolism means a healthy body, you know, a healthy cell function, um, we could really simplify health and wellness because we would understand how to support our bodies overall, like big picture. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When I say metabolism, you say, what? Really, what comes to mind? Skinny teenagers and being able to gorge on whatever you want with no consequences to your pant size? Or that thing that just totally quits on you once you've had a baby? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 126 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we are speaking with two women who I stumbled across recently, shout out to my BFF, Emily, and who in the span of just a few months have absolutely changed my health for the better. Corey Malloy and Fallon Lee are the two metabolism-loving women behind the new podcast, Freely Rooted. They are incredible resources on Instagram as well, so I know you'll be excited to follow along. Even better, Fallon and Corey both have experience in the home birth world, with Fallon having had a successful HBAC during her third birth, and Corey currently planning for her HBAC. This episode is basically a two-act performance with birth in the front and metabolism in the back. I can't wait to share all of this information, but I do want to warn you. Some of what we discuss regarding your metabolism may feel uncomfortable, even counterintuitive if you've been running in some of the same health circles that I have. All I ask is that you bring an open, curious mind. Either way, this episode is sure to be a blast. Now, before we get started, though, I'd love to take a moment to thank our reviewer of the week, Ellie Austin. And Ellie's review was actually specific to our most recent HBAC episode, episode 123 with Julie. And Ellie says, I relate. I so relate to this story. My oldest was a hospital birth and it was awful. The hospital staff was extremely combative about refusing shots and it was in a way traumatic. When I got pregnant with my second baby, I knew I would never go back to the hospital. So I had a birth center birth and it was drastically different. I completely understand what this podcast is saying in being able to relax during prenatal care and welcoming the baby into the world. I'm 27 weeks with my third baby now, and this time I'm doing a home birth, and I am so excited to be at home this time. Also, happy to hear a fellow Catholic talking about fighting the contraceptive battle with OBs and embracing a big family with as many kids as God gives us. Thank you for sharing this story. Ellie, thank you so much for this review. And if you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'd love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And hey, if you're loving the show, would you hop on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a quick, hopefully five-star rating and even a review? I can't tell you how helpful it is in getting the show into the ears of new listeners who will benefit. Okay, let's waste no more time. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and this show is not meant to prescribe or treat. 
It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Fallon and Corey, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. We are so excited to be here. I've been I've been binging your podcast for a few months now, so it's very surreal to be here on your podcast now. Well, I'm so excited to hear that because you and Fallon are like two of my favorite people on Instagram. So it's <laughs> <You're> so sweet. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So Valen, I would love for you to take a minute to just introduce yourself to the listeners and then we'll jump over to you, Corey. Yeah, I would love to. So um, I'm Fallon, of course. I live in the Dallas area with my husband, who is my college sweetheart. He's wonderful. He's watching all three of my children right now and does every time (laughs) I do a podcast episode. He's just the best. He's a rock star. I've got uh, three boys. I have a seven-year-old, almost six-year-old and almost two-year-old. So boy, mom through and through, I absolutely love it. It really is like perfect for me to have all boys. So our house, as you can imagine, is like constant chaos, but it's wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, I just love talking about birth and holistic nutrition, holistic health. This has just always been a big passion of mine. And it's not until probably the last year or so that I really sort of niched down in terms of uh, you know how I can serve people with it. But this conversation and everything surrounding holistic health, nutrition, home birth. Oh my goodness. I just love it so, so much. So I'm thrilled to be on here. Um, you're doing such good work, Caitlin. So I'm so honored to be on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. And Corey, would you just take a minute to introduce yourself as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Corey and I was born and raised also in Texas, you know, where Fallon's from, but I found my way over to the islands of Hawaii. So I live on Maui now with my almost three-year-old, and then I'm pregnant and preparing for a home VBAC with my second. Um, And so my husband and I are here. We kind of just live the entrepreneur, simple island life. We're both um, creators. And I created an online course, I believe six months ago, the same time that Fallon came out with the product as well. And so we've just been collabing on a lot and we started a podcast together and we just find ourselves here just like connecting with like-minded women and getting to do things like this. And it's just the absolute, the absolute best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so exciting when all of the passions kind of come together and the two of you definitely have so much in common. So it's really exciting to be able to listen to your stories. And for those of you who have not listened to their podcast yet, it's the freely rooted podcast and go binge. Like (laughs) it is, I was so excited when you guys launched it. Like I just cannot tell you. So probably a lot of my listeners have already listened just because I feel like I shared it a bunch of times because I was so excited. (laughs) But if you haven't, please walk yourself over to Apple Podcasts after this episode and download everything. (laughs) (laughs) So as we get started, I would love to talk about the relationship that the two of you have had with birth. Um, obviously you both kind of alluded to, this is a really important topic for you, you know, now, and it has been in the past and Fallon, you've had three birthing experiences. Could we kind of take a second to just dive into those and hear what your, your birthing journey has been like? Yes, I would love that. And I really love to talk about this because I have a very unique experience and that I do have exposure to every single birthing scenario that you could have Mm -hmm. almost. (laughs) So my home birth was actually my third baby. So I had a standard hospital, you know, epidural birth with my first, I was 22 at the time. I had no idea of how to pursue like medical awareness or 
you know, medical freedom. And I just knew that I was scared of birth pain. So I took the, you know, <laughs> quote, normal birthing route for our day and age. And it wasn't particularly like a good or bad experience. I mean, it was exciting because it was my first child, but I do remember feeling so much anxiety, you know, being in this like sterile hospital setting. Um, first baby, of course, you have those first baby jitters. Of course, I was so tired and hungry. You know, I went into labor at like what, 2 a.m. and then couldn't eat for however long. Mm -hmm. And then labor took just forever, you know, because of the drugs and the situation. I mean, I, I think I was in labor for 11 or 12 hours. And then after 15 minutes of pushing, my doctor insisted it was taking too long. And so he used a vacuum to help bring my son out. And I literally had no birthing knowledge at that time. So I just sort of trusted my doctor. But that interference led to, you know, really bad third degree tear that I think was totally unnecessary in hindsight. I mean, 15 minutes of pushing is like literally nothing. Right. <laughs> um, and so then we got pregnant with my second son nine months later, and I was just terrified to go through that same tearing again. And I hadn't even fully healed. So my OBGYN encouraged me to have a C-section. Um, and honestly, the process itself was pretty simple. You know, I, it was, it was scheduled. So it was kind of like in and out, but the recovery of course was just really tough. And of course, not to mention my middle son is by far the one who has the most health issues. Mm -hmm. um, but a few months after he was born is when we really started diving into holistic health. And we actually thought we were done having children because of my Hashimoto's diagnosis that I got not long after he was born. And my second son's health issues, you know, just were really spiraling. And what's, what's really funny in hindsight is that part of this sort of informal decision to be done having children is because I knew I would never submit myself to any sort of birthing medication again, but I was also so terrified of going without it. Mm -hmm. And of course, here I am now, like completely on the ho home birth train. Um, <laughs> so as you can probably guess by now, my third son was a total surprise. And I honestly don't even remember how I landed on a home birth versus like birthing in a birthing center. But I found midwives that I just absolutely adored. They were a team that worked together um, and they only did home birth. So I was just like sold on the idea almost immediately. Um, and I had a, I mean, I had a probably semi-standard preparation for home birth. You know, I dove into your standard, like Ina May's book and Bradley method book. And, you know, my husband and I read through the Bradley's or Dr. Bradley's husband coach childbirth, because we knew, you know, he would be my primary support over like a doula. And I honestly felt really prepared by the time my son was ready to be born. Um, and I, you know, I, you guys know how much I love the nutrition piece. It's funny to look back because my, my nutrition was probably like a seven out of 10 at this time, you know, I was eating like real whole foods, probably in a uh, line of like, you know, paleo AIP guidelines. Um, but I was still missing a lot of key nutrients. And I had, you know, so many food sensitivities. If you're familiar with my story at all, like I just, there were so many things I could not eat. And so I was really low carbohydrate and low calorie, which of course I'm not a big fan of now, <laughs> but I was doing like, you know, the daily red raspberry leaf tea and, you know, dates in my third trimester and like regular chiropractic care and lots of good movement, you know, like all the standard things that you would do to prep for a home birth. And I felt like so empowered and, and ready, you know, by the time my son was born. Um, do you want me to dive into my birth story too? I would oh, love I'd to love share it. about it. Like, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Please. So I know this is getting long, but oh my gosh, you have to hear the birth story. <laughs> so, <Obviously. laughs> yeah, of course. So I, I went into labor with my son um, a week early and my water broke right after I put my two older kids down, which is really so funny and common with mom or for moms with several kids, because, you know, it's like their bodies get this signal that the other kids are taken care of and you can start having the next kid. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like this is such a common story. Um, and so my first several hours were really so serene and I felt so strongly that I would go into labor that day. Like my husband and I had taken a mini getaway the day before. 
my house was totally clean. My fridge was like stocked with pre-prepped meals, um, which by the way, as an aside, th- this was actually my baby shower for this, this third baby is all my friends came over and helped me pre-prep all of the post-baby food that I was going to be eating. And we stored it in the freezer and that was my entire baby shower. And I, I recommend that to anybody and everybody when I can is like, just make your shower a food prep. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's so much fun. So helpful. That's um, so- the best idea. We did that oh gosh, uh, I yeah. had a baby shower for one of my friends um, last year and we didn't do a full like food prep, but mm-hmm. I like sent out like, Hey, here's a list of all these meals. It would be great freezer meals. Please bring one to the shower. Yes. That <laughs> is it, brilliant. It's so helpful. It really is. Yeah. And we just, you know, I had, like I said, I had so many food sensitivities that we decided to like do it at mm-hmm. my house, but it was really such a gift though, for anyone that's working with that kind of, you know, if you have any dietary limitations, like we did it in my own kitchen, all of the ingredients, you know, I like people helped me purchase them, but you know, it was just like a safe environment where I, you know, knew where all my stuff was. It was really so sweet. It was like the best baby shower. Um, so it's everything, ready. it really was so wonderful. Um, so yeah, like the house was ready. I made my, like I had, you know, started going into labor. And so I made myself a nice strong cup of red raspberry leaf tea, some lemonade to have on hand. And then my husband and I just took this really nice stroll around the outside of our house. Like just, we have, we live on a corner lot. So we just like walked around the sidewalk and (laughs) my contractions progressed just really nicely from there. I mean, every, the first few hours were just like, honestly, so dreamy, like exactly what I envisioned. Um, And so, you know, after a while we went up to our room, you know, it's, everything's clean and it's all dimly lit. You know, we've got our salt lamps and this like nice music playing that I had like pre-chosen, you know, I had my whole playlist selected and (laughs) and my birthing ball ready. Like everything was just so peaceful and calm. Um, I took this nice bath, you know, after a little while. And then my, my midwives had arrived by this point. Um, and I ended up asking for a cervical check, which I have to say was like such a mistake for me. (laughs) And I mentioned that because I, you know, I know people feel differently about them, but it was really, like my midwives did not push it on me. I literally asked for it, but it totally like threw off the vibe that I had, you know, it ended up being really uncomfortable. And I was like in this peaceful, serene state. And then that kind of threw a wrench into the mix. Um, luckily I was at a seven when they checked. So there was at least that, you know, accomplishment of like, okay, <laughs> I'm almost to the end. But in hindsight, I'm like, I just should have trusted my body. Like, I don't think I, it was really necessary to even check. Um, but I just wanted to know, you know, I just like, I love, I'm an information nerd. So I was like, okay, I just want to know where I am. Um, but I do remember entering transition, just feeling really calm and focused. You know, my contractions were strong, but I felt really good still. And I started pushing, I think around like 2.30 AM. Um, and so we of course thought baby would arrive within, you know, maybe the next 30 minutes or so, but we, we kind of hit like one roadblock after another from there. Um, my water bag was still intact a bit and sort of in the way. And we didn't notice that until, I don't know, probably 30 minutes after pushing. And it ended up actually being like a three hour process until my baby was born at like 5 30 AM. And I always feel so hesitant to share all of my details because I know, you know, most people want to hear these really like beautiful, peaceful birth experiences. And truthfully mine was for the most part. Um, but we just had, you know, kind of a few bumps, like my, um, my midwives, you know, after the fact, told me that my perineal tissue is really, really thick. So like normally the structure of your perineal tissue is supposed to be something like your finger webbing. Mine is like the structure of like the inside of your cheek. So you can think how different that is. Like your cheek tissue is so, so tough. So it just like would not budge for my little one. (laughs) Um, And my pelvic structure is, is pretty narrow. And so I did end up having to have an episiotomy, which of course is like not fun when you're not medicated. (laughs) Um, 
so awful, but my midwife has been in practice for like over 32 years now. And that was the sixth episiotomy she's ever had to perform. (gasps) My whole scenario was really, really unique. And I knew that I could trust her wisdom in, you know, deciding to do one. Um, And I can say confidently that it was, you know, absolutely the, the hardest, most physically demanding thing I'll ever do. And simultaneously the most beautiful birth experience I've had, because there's really some, you know, it's so special especially when you're living in the same house where your child was born. Like we, you know, tell our kids all the time, like, oh, you know, Bennett is my third name. Like Bennett was born in mommy and daddy's bed. And it's just so <laughs> funny to me. And it's such a like proud feeling to have, you know, accomplished that. And of course, like, I, you know, I don't have this picture perfect birth story, but you, you, you forget the pain, honestly. You know, it wasn't until I reread uh, my own birth story or reread rather my own birth story that I felt like all of these emotions and hardships come back up. Um, but I do remember really having to kind of mourn my birth story for several months because I had such high expectations for how it would go. And I think that's really okay to have to spend some time processing through, you know, any grief that comes with that type of experience while also knowing that time will really take that grief away. You know, my son will be two in, um, here pretty soon. And I, of course, hardly ever think about like how hard his birth was. (laughs) I just remember the joy and pride of having him at home. And there's really, I mean, there's just nothing like having a home birth. You know, I, I, I wish things maybe would have gone a bit smoother, but I wouldn't change really anything about it. I mean, it was just, it was so sweet and so pure. Like my, my mother-in-law lived with us at the time and she stood outside our room praying for hours in the middle of the night with, you know, with my two older boys in the, in the room next to us. Um, and you know, my, my mother-in-law, like all my family were just petitioning for me with the Lord, because there, there actually were several points. My midwives thought I would have to like emergency transfer to the hospital, Mm. um, just because of how excruciating the process had been. But I mean, it really just was the Lord's favor and grace that we were able to stay home safely. And I'm just, I mean, I really would not change anything. I'm just so thankful for the whole experience and just, you know, getting to share that today is such a gift. So thank you for letting me <laughs> unpack oh, that very long story. Oh, I, I, that was beautiful. And there are a few points that I kind of would like to bring up and sort of talk yeah. through. First one being, you know, we think about the fact that home births, we want to be as intervention free as possible. And of course, sometimes that's not the case. That's just not in the cards. And what's beautiful is that you did have a birth team that you trusted. You mm-hmm. knew that they had your best interest in heart and that they were able to perform what needed to be done. And mm-hmm. if that meant a transport to the hospital, then that was an option on the table. Absolutely. So that's really great. The second thing to remember is, you know, if you had been in the hospital, how would that have impacted that birth? You know, mm-hmm. like, would you have ended up with this, you know, vaginal birth experience or- right. Would there have been instruments involved? Would there have been another cesarean section? Like, mm-hmm. it's just so fascinating to think like, oh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't picture perfect. Like it wasn't the one we're like throwing up on the Instagram wall, but, <laughs> but like you, you did the hard stuff. You walked through it with a, a team surrounding you that loved you and supported you and cared for you mm-hmm. through it. And you know, these things happen in home or at hospital and at hospital, there's no, there's no saying like, oh, well, it would have been just as fine at the hospital and I wouldn't have had to have an episiotomy or, you know, like we right. don't know. Absolutely. That, that is incredible. I'd love to hear a little bit about your postpartum healing as well. Was that after, especially after having an episiotomy, what was your immediate postpartum healing like? 
Yeah. So I, I really had a pretty good postpartum recovery. And I think that even though my diet now looks a lot different than it did then, mm-hmm. um, the, the home birth and medication free recovery is just worlds different than when you're working with, you know, uh, a cesarean or epidural. I mean, I just could feel the difference, even though my birth was, was tough. I, I vividly remember feeling like, wow, this is a much different experience in terms of recovery. Um, and I just, I don't know like what my caloric intake was at the time, but I just remember honoring my body and eating so much. <laughs> I remember just like, I was craving protein and I wanted fresh fruit and I wanted, I mean, all the things that I now know, like were really essential for healing, but my body was just so intuitive at the time that it just, it knew what I needed. And, and luckily I was able to give it those nutrients because of, you know, how well I had prepped the food. Mm -hmm. And I think that made a huge, huge difference. And then of course my, you know, my midwives just so stellar. I mean, they really set me up for success in terms of providing, you know, natural remedies to help alleviate the pain and the swelling and, you know, all the things that you deal with postpartum, it was just so much smoother, so much smoother Mm -hmm. to have, you know, a birth team who knew how to support your natural healing journey, um, to have been through a birth experience that didn't require all of this medical intervention. I mean, it was just a night and day difference. And I really felt like I recovered very, very quickly this time around. Yeah. And I bet you're Mm -hmm. right. Just having those meals prepared beforehand. So you didn't even have to think about it. That had to have been so great. And Corey, I would love to hear what your birthing experience has been like. You've had one birth and you're planning for your second, your home birth after cesarean. So what was that first birthing experience like for you? Yeah. So it was one of those things where like, I'm sure a lot of you guys are listening or who are listening, have seen the business of being born. You've, you've put the work in, you've done the prep work and you've been in that headspace of just like, I'm going to go through this with like as little interventions as possible. And it's going to be great. Um, and I was at a birth center home birth was not even, even though my mom was a home birther for, for whatever reason, for my first, I was not in a headspace where that was even an option for me. I was just like, Oh, birth center. Like I knew I did not want to go the OB route a hundred percent, but I was like birth center that makes more sense. And then, yeah, I just looking back, I, even though I did, I, I do feel like I was pretty prepared as far as how to avoid interventions. I just wasn't in this. It wasn't all encompassing. I didn't really understand how to prepare my body physically. Um, I was not working with a, a great prenatal chiropractor. I was not really, uh, treating my body very well. I was just, my husband and I were flipping houses in Florida at the time. And it was just like, go, go, go all the time. Um, and I found myself with my son, being in transverse live very late in pregnancy. I'm not hundred percent certain if he stayed that way, you know, after, after being little and then just grew into that position, or if he flipped into transverse lie at 37 weeks. Now that I look back, I'm like, I actually don't know because even back then, even working with midwives, I don't, I didn't know how to palpate. I didn't know how to baby map on my own body. Like I really even though I was again, going the birth center midwifery practice route, I was honestly just shifting like my care into the hands of an OB to a midwife, as opposed to me really, really owning it and understanding like 
no one is birthing this baby out except for me, you know, and like really like owning that empowerment. And so anyways, he was in transverse fly. I found out at 37 weeks and my midwives sent me, you know, on like a week long journey in which I did Webster's and I did acupuncture and they were, we were all very certain he was going to go head down. We were like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I just had total trust that he was going to go head down. Um, it landed in him being even more stuck by 38 weeks. And I didn't realize how massive he was by then. He was, my water broke at 38 weeks and he was already nine pounds, six ounces. So two, two more weeks from them who, you know, who knows how big he would have been. My family comes from a long (laughs) lineage of giant babies and we love it, (laughs) but, um, but I was still shocked. Uh, it just like, this Tarzan coming out of my body, you know, when I, whenever I inevitably had my C-section, but essentially, you know, found myself hemming in transverse lie, doing all the things. And then my last, last resort was a, an ECV, mm-hmm. the external version. I don't, um, fully, you know, looking back what I've done something different, maybe. Um, and I, in fact, I possibly think that is what triggered my water breaking because it is so incredibly stressful on the body but my water broke the next day after that. And then my midwives, like, I mean, for the next 24 hours, this is the story I always tell is I was just in such psychological denial that my water was breaking and he was not head down. Um, that I went a full 24 hours without telling anybody, not even my husband. (laughs) Like I just, I was just in denial. And then the next day I called my midwife and I was like, Hey, I think my water has been broken for over 24 hours. And she was like, I I could be wrong. (laughs) She was like, please, please drive to the nearest hospital. And just, you you have to get that confirmed. So again, looking back, would I have done anything differently? I don't know. Um, I knew that the moment that I checked myself into that hospital, it was going to be very difficult to leave or have any other options. So I think I was kind of accepting this was happening the moment that I walked in. Um, and yeah, they, they confirmed it was amniotic fluid and I was cut open within like 40 minutes. I mean, I like, by the time that I walked in and like went into the operating room, um, it was insanely lightning fast. And so I had a lot that I had to process. It took me, it took me a long time. I'll be honest, um, to process through all, all of that. Um, I eventually ended up seeing a trauma therapist, even two years later to kind of like let go of, of all that I had held on to from that experience. But I think what was hardest for me was just becoming a statistic, you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I ended up with a C-section, even though I felt like I was doing all the right things. And so anyways, that was, that was hard for me, but I, I waited quite a while to get pregnant again. Um, my son will be three right before, right before this one is born. And this time around, like I truly just, it's, it's been a world of a difference preparing for this birth, even though I was going the unmedicated route, even though I was going the non-traditional route, it's just been a world of a difference. Um, but whenever I moved on, on the Island of Maui, I realized that, uh, VBACs are not allowed in the one hospital that are here, that's here on the Island. And so your only option actually is a home birth. Now I could fly to a different Island. I could go live somewhere for a couple months and give birth there. That that's actually something that women have done 
but the midwives here are just so different than any other midwives I've ever experienced. I actually laughed so hard. I think it was in your course, Caitlin, that you were like describing what we think of midwives. And you were like, they're probably not going to come in not wearing a bra and smelling like sage and being barefooted. But I was like, oh my gosh, but that is my midwife. Like she's got this like long red curly hair and tatted up. And like, that's a hundred percent what you described um, in your course. I love her so much. Anyway, she just is incredible. It, the, the fact that I was even having a V-back just wasn't even really a topic of our conversation unless I felt like I needed it to be. Um, she was just like, let's do it. Like, let's absolutely, like, I trust your body. Let's do it. So, um, yeah, preparing for this, for this H back now has been the most transformative experience of my entire life thus far. Um, I honestly, I didn't realize just how spiritual and how, like how birth can be this whole, like rite of passage. I had no grasp on that. E even in preparing for my first birth, like the comparison between that versus preparing for a home birth. And I, I don't know if it's the home birth aspect. I don't know if it's me finally realizing like I'm doing this. It's, it's only me that's bringing this baby out. I don't, I don't really know what it is that that switched, but it's just been such a transformative experience, you know, arming myself with knowledge. Caitlin, your course has been so incredible to me too just like understand anatomy. And I, oh my gosh, I was taking notes like crazy, just mm -hmm. trying to understand like what's actually going on in my body. Like I want to, I want to be so equipped by the end of this, you know, by the time that I'm pushing my baby out, like I want to know how to do this myself and like, you know, carefully choose my birth team as people that will support that, but just really owning that, that this stage and this like rite of passage into motherhood. It's just been incredible. Mm -hmm. That is so exciting to hear. And I was actually going to ask you that. So I guess you're just saying like, you know, a, a, something just switched, like something flipped on in your brain, but that, that transformation from, you know, giving, giving the, the responsibility to your midwife instead of an OB to giving or taking the responsibility, you know, like just mm -hmm. accepting like, okay, well, this is my thing. Like, this is mine. I, nobody else cares about this the way that I care about this. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to suck everything out of this experience that I can. Like, it's so powerful. I, I just love hearing about that. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, a huge issue obviously is the fact that like the traditional route has really focused on birth being a very physical process and only a physical process, right? Like we've, we've seen this loss of innate wisdom and, um, just ancestral wisdom when it comes to birth in and of itself. But I think I lost that a little bit, just being, just being raised around the traditional route, you know, like, I think I lost, I didn't understand just like how much wisdom there is in preparing the mind and preparing the spirit for, for birth. And the last thing I'll say there is just like how much I've been unpacking as far as, um, just like, childhood wounds and trauma and just like really like releasing a lot of that and allowing my body to surrender. I remember reading in a book, um, it's actually called birth as a rite of passage. Yeah. It talks about, <laughs> Dr. you read Rachel it? Rachel Reed. Yes. She was on the podcast. Stop. Was I love she... her. <laughs> She's fantastic. 
Wait, I totally missed that. It was I it will, recent. I'll send you. I'll send you the episode. It wasn't oh months ago. It was before her book came out. That is incredible. My chiropractor, who is my prenatal chiropractor, who's been working with me um, in preparing my body since I was six weeks pregnant, just to like open up. She was the one that told me about this book, and I flew through it in three days, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but one of my favorite quotes from her book was just talking about how the most important knowledge a woman can gather in preparation for birth is self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. So knowledge about what her body and mind need to feel safe enough to trust her instinct and her intuition. And I, for a while, I was just like arming myself with knowledge about like the physical process of birth. But then I like really dove into, okay, I really need to like take a step back to know myself, mm-hmm. getting really curious about like, you know, what provides comfort to me? What makes me feel safe? You know, what, what is triggering to me? I don't think we spend enough time being curious about our triggers. Fallon and I talk about this a lot <laughs> about just being curious about our triggers and how we respond to things and how much that tells us about our childhood conditioning. And if it's a trauma response or if it's something that we just innately do, and then just being able to unpack all of that and get to really, really know ourselves and then be able to choose our birth team appropriately, be able to choose our birthing the whole vision for our birth appropriately, like what room we want to be in or what kind of smells we want to associate with our birth. It's just like this whole unpacking. So her book is incredible. I'm so excited to hear, to hear that podcast episode. Yeah. It's a, it, she's just, I mean, she's so full of wisdom. I, I'm pretty sure I've looked through every single page on her website. Like, (laughs) I just love her. She's just, oh, she's amazing. So that's, I'm so glad that that was helpful to you. I know that 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 book has been already, I mean, it hasn't even been out that long, but I know it's been such a huge help to so many others. So thank you for bringing it up because if you haven't listened to or read it yet, listeners, this is a great reminder that it is a fantastic resource. Now, one thing that I wanted to ask both of you, um, since you brought this up, this kind of, um, these trauma responses and ways to unpack that baggage, basically. Do you have any recommendations or resources that you'd like to just kind of give out to listeners? Um, 100%. I I'm curious what Fallon's answer will be, but my neighbor, her name is Heather McKean. She wrote a book called mind change and her practice is also called mind change. It's really easy to find. If you just Google mind change, she does virtual, um, sessions as well, but just go get her book. Like I, I listened to it on audiobook, And again, it was one of those that I flew through in three days. Um, but she's actually the one that I will be working with to help unpack trauma and neutralize them and, and develop a deeper relationship with myself. Um, I've done two sessions with her already in the past, but she is, even if you like literally just get your hands on the book, it is so incredibly transformative and you learn so much about yourself. You will be a different person by the end of the, by the end of the book. So that's my go-to my go-to resource, but I'm curious, Fallon, what yours would be. Yeah, I love that. I feel like my answer is sort of piggybacks off of that. Um, I, I absolutely love neuroplasticity and brain rewiring, and that's been a huge part of my journey. So this, this actually can apply to quite a few different scenarios, but can be certainly helpful for trauma as well. There's, there's a program called the dynamic neural retraining system. It's DNRS for short. 
and a lot of people use it for like chronic illness scenarios, but it, it could also be used for like trauma therapy too. But just this whole idea of brain rewiring, I mean, it can play out in so many different ways. There's so many books around it. Um, so like in terms of parenting, there's a book called, I think it's the conscious parent that kind of dives into like your triggers and stressors um, and how that can play out in, you know, parenting, for example. And then if you want more of like a biblical perspective, Jenny Allen has a really good book called Get Outside of Your Head or Get Out of Your Head rather. Um, so yeah, this whole idea of like brain rewiring. And then I think like biblical counseling and then like Corey said, trauma therapy, like those things can be really, really transformative in terms of, you know, how you're carrying the suffering that you, you that all of us inevitably have, you know, so that, that would be my response. Oh, those are such great answers. And Fallon, I'm actually really happy to hear you say the name of what you did, the dynamic neural retraining system, because I heard, or I saw at one point where you mentioned something like that, but I didn't get the name of it. So, uh, I'm tucking that one away for myself for sure too. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It's an at-home program and it's not any more expensive than, you know, I think it's a few hundred bucks for the DVD pack. Mm. So absolutely, absolutely recommend it. Was, it was really, really transfer, uh, transformational for my health journey. Mm, that's awesome. Thank you guys both so much. These, both of your stories are so insightful and I know that there's so much that listeners are gonna be able to glean from each of your experiences. Hey mamas, let me interrupt this amazing interview for a few quick moments to share some great news. I have a free class waiting for you. Home Birth Mythbusters, the five myths you need to bust to have a happy home birth. It's my free gift to all of you who are considering home birth, planning your 15th home birth, or are just curious to know more about what this is all about. Head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash mythbusters to select a time that works for you and get started. You'll gain access to not only this incredible free masterclass, but you'll also be given access to sign up for Happy Home Birth Academy and an incredible bonus stack of resources. So wait no longer, head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash mythbusters and reserve your seat today. Okay, back to the show. And, and now what this is like part two of the podcast. <laughs> We've got all of, all of the birth goodness. But the reason that I learned about the two of you was through my own health journey. So I actually, um, so I have, I have a, uh, I don't know if we're even allowed to say the word anymore, guys. I had an injection injury when mm -hmm. I was, <laughs> when I was a, a, an older teenager and it caused a lot of autoimmune symptoms. And so for the last, you know, 10-ish years, I've been trying to heal my body from this autoimmunity and I've gotten, you know, a decent way. Um, I did things like, Alan, like you mentioned, like paleo, I did GAPS diet, mm -hmm. all of those things helped for a period of time. I was huge into fasting. I did a 26 mm -hmm. day water fast. I know you guys will just wow. love that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had, I had my first baby, things were I had severe anxiety and postpartum depression. Um, and then later on got pregnant with my second thought I was better because I'd been fasting. And, um, after my daughter, I didn't have the anxiety as much, but I had major autoimmune issues come up mm -hmm. like, Oh gosh, major. So that in the last couple of months led me to you through a friend who sent me an Instagram of someone else. And then I found you and it has been 
mind blowing, life changing. I took Corey, I took your course. I added Fallon's meal plan onto it immediately. (laughs) (laughs) And before we started this interview, I was, I was telling Fallon and Corey about how much my metabolism has improved already. And it's just been a couple of months. So I just have so much hope for the future. And, and one of the things that, you know, my husband and I've talked about is like, I feel like at this point, like I can't have another baby, you know, until my body is healed. And for a long time, I didn't have a lot of hope that I was going to ever be able to get a handle on it because it's been such a long journey. But here I am here. My body is making these massive shifts and changes right before my eyes. And it's been so much thanks to the work that you guys have done. So Mm. first off, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you're putting out there. It's incredible. And then next, I would like to talk about number one, what pro-metabolic healing is. What is eating a pro-metabolic diet. Um, And then we can kind of relate that to postpartum because I know a lot of moms are specifically in the postpartum phase struggling like I was. Of course, this is going to be relatable for anyone who's pregnant or uh, planning to conceive as well, but I'd love to focus on postpartum. So would you, either one of you, would you like to start that off a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. First off, I just want to say how awesome it is to see you take your health into your hands and do all of this. Like it's not, I mean, we put the workout, but it's, it's up to you guys to like take this and apply it to your lives and really advocate for yourselves. And I just, it it blows me away to see the progress that, that women make. Um, but yeah, the metabolism. So we probably hear the word metabolism and think, oh yeah, that's just described like that I can eat whatever I want and not gain weight or why some people you know, have to eat very, very little in order to not gain weight. And we hear like your metabolism just slows down after you hit like your twenties or your, you know, after you get out of college and we always look back on like our teen years as like, well, you know, that that's, I just had a really healthy metabolism or a really fast metabolism is probably a better word to describe like our um, acute understanding of it. Um, but we Fallon and I both dove into this work a little bit simultaneous, simultaneously through our own health issues and restoring them and getting into the work of this man named Dr. Ray Pete. And he has just revolutionized our understanding of like what the metabolism is. So when I say the word metabolism, I'm describing the function of your body down to the cellular level. So it's like every cell function in our bodies. It describes our hormone balance, our reproductive health, our fertility, our ability to detox properly. It describes our gut health, like our digestion, um, our energy and our ability to regulate our moods, our sleep quality, our injury and wound repair. So this is huge postpartum being able to recover. Um, And it especially describes our thyroid activity because our thyroid conducts our metabolisms. And oftentimes, you know, Fallon and I talk about this a lot in our, in our podcast, we, what we will see if you're kind of in like the holistic or functional medicine realm is you'll see this approach to symptoms and like labeling the issue as like a a hormone imbalance or like adrenal fatigue or a thyroid disorder or a gut issue or PCOS. And then like really, really acutely focusing on these specific issues, you know, like removing triggers and like taking a stack of supplements to like only help 
this specific issues. You got you guys can't see me talking with my hands, but I'm a big hand talker <laughs> and I'm like doing a lot of hand motions here. But anyways, with this acute focus of our symptoms, of our imbalances, we are missing the bigger picture. And what we don't realize is that our imbalances, like our symptoms showing up in the first place are just a result of a broken metabolism. And if we understood this, and if we understood that our metabolism means a healthy body, you know, a healthy cell function, um, we could really simplify health and wellness because we would understand how to support our bodies overall, like big picture. You know what I'm saying? Like we can throw like all the supplements we want on like a minor issue, but if we never restore our metabolism, we will never like long-term heal, which is why a lot of people deal with this, then it turns into this, then it turns into this. And it's just like symptom chasing, like for life. Mm -hmm. Um, so for anybody listening, that's just new to this concept, I just want you to guys to explore this idea of your metabolism, describing your health basically. And we have really clear metabolic markers that can help us understand if our health is thriving or kind of suffering. Um, so I'm curious, Fallon, do you want to kind of like name off some of the, like the thriving metabolism markers? Yes, I would love to. And this is such an important thing to cover because like Corey mentioned, you know, we typically think of the metabolism in terms of like, how much do we weigh? And, you know, maybe <laughs> postpartum, we might think like, how, how quickly can I lose weight or, you know, and that seems to be sort of what defines our idea of, you know, what sort of shape that we're in. Um, so some classic signs that you have a thriving metabolism would be that your body is warm. So your hands and feet are warm. Your body temperature is warm. You know, in the morning when you wake up, we're looking for somewhere around 97.8 degrees and it rises after you eat and rises into the 98s all day long. Um, you want your resting pulse to be between like 75 to 90 beats per minute, which, you know, we have this big trend right now for all of these like endurance athletes who are promoting lower resting pulses. And that's not actually what we're looking for. And so, you know, this, this feels very confusing to a lot of people that your pulse should actually be in this, you know, 95 to, to uh, 90 beats a minute range, um, having regular, comfortable bowel movements every day. So you want like one to three per day. Um, if you're not seeing that, you know, there's some like metabolic issues going on for sure. And then you want, you know, shiny, strong hair and strong nails. Like we, you know, we don't want our hair to be falling out and which is something that plagues a lot of women in our society. Um, you want a strong, healthy sex drive. You want a symptomless period, or if you're, you know, postmenopausal, you want, um, just no, you know, big issues in that transition phase or, or currently, you know, experiencing menopause. We want that to be kind of a seamless, um, process, uh, we're looking for, you know, hunger in the morning. You want to wake up hungry. You've been fasting all night long. <laughs> You're ready to eat breakfast. It doesn't take you like three hours to sort of get in the mood to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course we want like good energy throughout the day. So these like two, 3 PM crashes that we see, you know, in so many people who just feel like they hit the afternoon and they just cannot function for the rest of the day. Um, we want our moods to be stable, you know? So all of the, um, just really, hard, like mental burden that people are carrying, you know, even to include like anxiety, depression. I mean, these things are classic signs that your metabolism is really crying out for some help. Um, and then like Corey referenced, you know, you want your, um, injuries to, uh, recover quickly. You want your wounds to recover quickly. 
And then lastly, one of the big things is, is we want to see sleep through the night. Um, obviously that doesn't include if you have a precious little one who's interrupting your sleep, but if all obstacles were removed, you know, we want your sleep to be good quality. So that means you're falling asleep right away. Um, you're not waking up at like three, four in the morning, and then you can't fall back asleep. And then when you wake up, you actually feel like you're ready to conquer the day. <laughs> um, so on the flip side of that, you know, just think of the opposite of basically everything I said. So sluggish metabolism is going to look like you're freezing your, your hands and feet and your nose are cold. Um, your resting pulse is slow. Uh, you know, you don't have regular bowel movements or you're constipated. Um, that can, you know, come from bacteria overgrowth or just poor gut health. And I love that Corey, you mentioned this because I think there's this sort of war right now in the holistic sphere. It's like gut health versus, you know, thyroid health versus it's like, no, no, no. It's all actually the same. Like your metabolism is the root of all of it. So, you know, people, We'll ask like, well, well, what about gut health in light of all this? I'm like, yes, yes, it's included. It's actually part of it. <laughs> um, so, you know, if your PMS is crazy, like your period is just miserable and your libido is low and you have mood swings and you're dealing with things like anxiety and, you know, depression, mood dysregulation, and your hair is falling out and your nails are not strong. And, you know, you're waking up to pee during the night. Like that's a really clear sign. Your body is running off stress hormones. And then, you know, this lack of hunger that we see, you know, there's this craze right now of like intuitive fasting or Caitlin, like you said, fasting, like lack of hunger is not a good thing. We, you know, our appetite is actually a gift. Um, so, you know, when you have no appetite and you can go hours and hours without eating, you know, that's a really big sign that your body has just adjusted down to, to accommodate the slower metabolism. Um, and so, yeah, these are kind of the classic signs of, you know, what, what should we be looking for? And then what should we be looking for in terms of like, Hey, this is a red flag. <laughs> so this is kind of an overview, you know, Corey and I have tons of free information on, on our podcast and platforms. If you want to learn a little bit more in detail, but this is kind of a general overview of, you know, what the metabolism metabolism is and where you can start. That's great information. And the question that comes to my mind when I'm looking through this is I can, I feel like I can just hear it in my head right now. <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the person who's saying like, but I'm postpartum. This is right. normal postpartum. It's right. normal. So what do you say <laughs> to someone who says like, no, listen, it's normal for, you know, my hair to be falling out. It happens to everyone. You know, what is that? What do you say to that? I love this question so much because Oh my gosh, what are all the things that we have normalized that are, they're not supposed to be normal. Like mm -hmm. even PMS, you know, being crampy and our, and our breasts hurting and like all of these symptoms that, you know, traditional medicine has been like, yeah, yeah, totally normal. Let's celebrate it. You know, let's celebrate those symptoms. Like, no, 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 no. Um, our periods should be symptom free. They should be symptom free. We actually don't have to experience postpartum hair loss. We actually, um, there's a, the episode that we did in our podcast called pregnant, no, what, what is it called? Prenatal and postpartum nourishment. We actually cover this, um, in depth. So definitely go listen to that, but essentially what we have to understand of the, about the metabolism and why this season of life, like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's just so important to prioritize is because, um, our stress hormones have an inverse relationship with our thyroid. And if you remember what I was saying about thyroid that conducts our metabolism. And so, when we enter into pregnancy even, but especially postpartum, we enter into a season of stress and it just is, you know, there's nothing negative about that. It is a beautiful experience, but we have to understand that our bodies are 
under a state of, of stress. And so when stress elevates, um, it's going to decrease our, our thyroid function, our metabolism, and then vice versa. So the way that we see the metabolism, you know, in this season, especially is how can we live? How can we eat? How can we move and rest and live our lives in a way that take the most stress off of our bodies and then allow our thyroids, allow our metabolisms to, to thrive. And when we see a big shift in, you know, if we, if we see a big imbalance in that, meaning our stress hormones are elevated, um, that is when we become symptomatic. And so a lot of these symptoms that we have normalized, um, are literally just a result of us living in this like chronically elevated stress hormone state. This is why, you know, mood dysregulation is really hard in those first few months. Like a lot of us, I know I experienced this before I really, really dove in to restoring my metabolism postpartum. I found myself extremely sensitive to stress. So like if I had a bad night of sleep because I'm nursing a baby every hour, every 30 minutes, the next day, like, I feel like I got hit by a train. I, you know, like if the sound of my son crying would just like send me into like a, just like a panic. Like I, I just like, I felt panicky and like just extremely sensitive to any kind of trigger, any kind of stress. And I had no idea it was because my body was like chronically in this state of like fight or flight. And I didn't realize I could literally alleviate that through just simple nutrition and lifestyle principles that would just support my thyroid and metabolism. Because again, inverse relationship, I can support my body and then get those stress hormones down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially meta- metabolic eating, you know, going back to your question, Caitlin, that you asked earlier, metabolic eating is essentially just like looking at the cell function of the body, looking at our biology, our physiology, asking our bodies what they need in order to thrive. And then eating according to that way, we can force our bodies to, you know, live off of whatever, but it comes at a cost. Um, you know, like cutting out carbs, for example, like that comes at a cost. The cost is elevated stress hormones because stress hormones have to rise to start breaking down our tissues in order to provide glucose for the body. And so again, you take like a simplistic approach, understand how to support the body. And then from then we can take stress off of the body and realize we don't have to live with a lot of these symptoms that we have, that we have normalized. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That's it's that concept of like, okay, it's not normal. It's common, but like, it doesn't have to be what we consider normal. We can, it shouldn't be normal. Maybe, you know, it's happening a lot, but it shouldn't be normal. We really can do things to improve our metabolism. And you just brought up carbs, Corey. So I have to say it. I cannot believe, like, it's almost embarrassing how much happier I am just eating carbs. Like, I am so, so much nicer. I like, like, it's, it's really crazy. And it's like, okay, you know, I didn't go slow into this. I'm definitely a like do it all at once kind of person. So like mm-hmm. I gained a few pounds, but like, number one, my husband loves it. Number two, it's like, <laughs> he wouldn't care even like either way, because I am just so much nicer, so much more relaxed, so much happier. I had no idea that my body just needed some freaking potatoes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the fact that we've kind of been like 
I mean, not kind of like I was at least just certain that that was bad. You know, that no <laughs> carbs are bad. Sugar is bad. There's no getting around it. And to, to be learning now, like, oh, wait a minute. I guess everything in balance does make more sense. Mm-hmm. I couldn't oh. agree more. Gosh. So, okay. You have, you've opened up a can of worms for a whole bunch of people. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that, that they can all go and listen to, especially your first like episode or two is a great introduction to the metabolism and how to support it. But would you guys mind giving just a few quick little tips of if you're interested in learning more, if you're interested in getting started supporting your metabolism, how can we start to make some incremental change? I love this question. I'm, I'm going to kick off with talking about eating enough because I, to me, that's one of the most foundational principles, especially in terms of talking postpartum, right? Because you know your body just needs so much nourishment during that time. Um, and the truth is, you know, we've normalized women not eating enough in general, you know, the, the actual standard recommendation for women between like 18 to 30 years old is to eat between 1800 and 2000 calories a day. That is not even including exercise, pregnancy, breastfeeding, added stress. You know, most women are running off like 12, 1300 calories. Um, so if you're a postpartum mom, especially one who's breastfeeding, getting a minimum of like 2,400 calories and probably honestly closer to like 3000 for some is going to be absolutely essential to aid in your recovery um, and establishing your milk supply, you know? So maybe we can dive in uh, to, you know, what specific foods and nutrients are helpful uh, because, you know, 2,500 calories from like fast food, for example, right, are obviously right. very different from like 2,500 calories from real whole food nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, but we see a lot of women who are so eager to get like their pre-baby body back that they mm -hmm. tend to skip on calories in the name of weight loss. And that's just such a poor prioritization of what a recovering body actually needs. Um, so, so one resource that I, I can direct you to as well, I ended up creating a calorie quiz as part of the meal plans that I offer, because this is one of the biggest issues I see in female health culture is that because we are seeing so many things in the functional medicine sphere promoted that are like, you know, low calorie, low carb, cut this out, cut that out. Women are just not eating enough and they literally have no clue, one, how much they're eating or two, what they should be eating. Because, you know, a lot of women, you'll ask them to track for a day, like just put your information into a calculator for a day, see what you're coming out with. And it's like, they were trying so hard and you hit like 1300 calories. You know, we just have no, no sort of uh, gauge for what we're actually consuming. So um, I've got a calorie quiz on my website that takes into account your stress levels, you know, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, um, how tall you are, how active you are, all of those things to kind of help give you a picture of how many calories you should actually be eating in the, in a day. And I think this is one of the best fundamental pieces, you know, obviously, like I said, we do want to prioritize getting our calories from the right source. And we want to prioritize getting the right macronutrient balance, which is one of the ways that, you know, something like a, a meal plan of mine can come in handy is that that's kind of done almost for you. You know, obviously there, everyone has their nuances and everyone, you know, that we do want to honor bio bio individuality, but um, it can be really overwhelming to try to figure out like, okay, how much protein do I need and how much fat do I need? And so that's where like a meal plan can be really, really helpful. But first tip is just like, really evaluate, are you eating enough? Because a lot of the time the answer is no, you know, it, a lot of women just were conditioned to think that our hunger is, you know, this embarrassing thing and we can't actually fuel our bodies. So I would say definitely, definitely evaluate 
are you eating enough calories specifically for your current scenario? Very good. Yeah. I would say my like second tip to, to bounce off of that, um, is making sure that you're eating often. So this is another thing. I mean, honestly, more in this season than any other season, I think is when women would struggle the most with this because they're like, dude, I'm like, I'm in bed with my baby. And like, I can't just like get up and make breakfast right away. Like I, I, I completely get the, the struggle of that. And so what happens as a result is breakfast gets pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And especially if you have multiple kids, you expend so much of yourself to making sure that everybody is, everybody's good first. Um, but, oh my gosh, my favorite, I keep referencing this phrase that one of my core students, uh, said in, in, in my Facebook group the other day, but she was like through, she, I don't want to butcher it, but she's like through nourishing myself, I'm able to, to nourish my husband and children and not mm. even just talking about food, but like, I'm able to be, I'm not, I'm able to show up for, for my family, because I'm prioritizing my nourishment as like the utmost importance. Um, yeah, it's like, so, put the oxygen mask on first, exactly. like, put it on yourself first, and then we can take care of everyone else. Exactly. Because I personally, I, my, my son and my husband don't like stressed out Corey, you know, like I, I, that's not, that's not how I want to be. Um, and so, and we don't realize that our state of stress can be largely affected by literally just our state of nourishment. In fact, Mm -hmm. way more often than not, that is the case. Um, and so eating often is so essential to get a constant flow of nutrients into our bodies. We know we need to be eating plenty you know, postpartum, especially like we, we should know this. Um, but how does that actually practically look? That is when things can get kind of off and you can kind of forget about it and then it can get suppressed. And like I said earlier with the stress hormones and the thyroid, having an inverse relationship with each other, we just have to constantly remind ourselves of this. And so eating within 30 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes, I would say just to give us a little bit of of wiggle room. Um, this is one of the most important things you can do for your thyroid period, like absolutely in any season of your life, getting food, protein, carbs, and fats into your body within that first hour of waking up is so essential. And this is why the trend of intermittent fasting triggered this epidemic of hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's because what we saw happen is, you know, you'd got, you'd go way longer than you're supposed to, your body's meant to, um, before being finally nourished. And what happens is this constant suppression of thyroid production. I had a woman that was able to get pregnant finally, when she only just stopped intermittent fasting, that was it. That was it because her body just needed regular food, regular nourishment coming into her, into her body. So eating within a 30 minute or 30 to 60 minutes of waking and then eating every three to four hours after that is going to be one of the most crucial things we can do to keep stress off of our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of stress, I think that would be kind of our final tip is to reduce it. (laughs) And I think, you know, we think of stress in terms of just emotional stress usually. Um, but we have to consider things like toxins. So like your beauty products, your cleaning items, you know, the type of food you're eating, uh, the water you're drinking, you know, those are all really important things that, that do contribute to your stress levels. And then of course, you know, like Corey has mentioned, and we've talked about 
uh, the stress that comes through not eating enough or, or frequently enough. So, you know, you want to be, like we said, eating frequent, eating enough for your situation. Um, and then of course you do have the stress in terms of your, of your lifestyle. So like your, your job, maybe if that's, you know, a season that you're in your marriage, your kids, like those are absolutely part of it as well, but we can't forget that stress is just so multifaceted. So like getting enough sleep, which I know can be hard in this season, but you know, where you can like it, it, sleep as much as you possibly can in your recovery stage. Um, and then getting the right kinds of light movement, depending on where you are in your postpartum recovery, um, you know, not jumping in too quickly to this intense exercise regimen, uh, because I think a lot of women try to do that in the hopes of, you know, bouncing back, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they may pick things up too intensely and too quickly. And then like, just really basic things like get sunlight every day, you know, go outside barefoot, spend time in nature, like all of these things really play into how full our stress bucket is. Um, and then, you know, lowering that stress response, um, by just doing these really basic things that are just so attainable, you know, eat enough, get outside, get good sleep, like all the things that we know to do, but really prioritizing them, especially in the postpartum season will just make such a difference in your, in your metabolic health. Oh man, guys, this was amazing and so informative. And I am just so excited for my listeners to get to number one, hear both of your incredible stories, but also to just be introduced, perhaps some of them for the first time to this concept, because like I said, it was so mind blowing to me. I remember the first thing that I was, my friend sent me about pro metabolic eating. Um, It was like, putting sugar in your coffee. And I was like, uh, no, (laughs) that's enough for me, dog. (laughs) Like here I am, (laughs) you know, (laughs) drinking my coffee with my sugar and cream after my breakfast. And like, it's just, it's such like, it's such a crazy, it seems so small, but it has been Mm -hmm. so life-changing already. So I just want to thank the two of you for the work that you're doing. And if you wouldn't mind, would you please just one more time mention where everyone can find you, where they can find the resources that you've created? Absolutely. Yeah. My Instagram handle is Corey Malloy. So K-O-R-I-M-E-L-O-Y. And that would be Instagram. Our podcast that Fallon and I host together is called the Freely Rooted Podcast. My online course is also called Freely Rooted. You could find that on teachable, but you could also just find it through the link in my, in my bio, but our podcast is like kind of our favorite way of connecting with people. Um, we'll do like a Q and a sticker box before we launch each episode. So we can get, you know, questions from you guys and really be able to interact in that way since we don't work one-on-one with people. But, um, you know, through my online course, I have a Facebook group as well. And that's kind of where I interact with people the most. And that's where you can find me. Yeah. That group is bumping. I love that I'm in that group every day. (laughs) I love it. And Fallon, what about you? Yeah, so uh, you can find me primarily on Instagram. My handle is Fallon Danae, F-A-L-L-O-N-D-A-N-A-E. And I I try to share a lot of like recipes and tips for kids nutrition. Um, It's kind of my it's my social media baby for sure. Like Instagram is where I've poured my energy so that I love, I love connecting with people there. And then my website, you know, you can find through my profile link, but my, um, my meal plan website is called Fallon's table. And so the website is just fallonstable.com. And that's where I have my calorie quiz. Um, I have a free download for like a metabolic foods guide. And then of course I have all of my meal plans. I offer ranges 
starting from 1800, because I don't want you to be eating less than that. <laughs> and it goes all the way up to 2,800 calories. And then I do have a dairy-free uh, plan that also serves as a dairy reintroduction plan. Cause I know a lot of us are coming from this health world where like dairy is very frowned upon. And so we have to figure out how to, you know, introduce that. So I do have a plan specifically for people who, you know, have maybe been off the dairy train would like to get back on. Um, so that's all on my website and I've got an email button on my profile, you know, if you want to reach out there, but, and then Corey, um, just to piggyback off of her, podcast. Yes. Yeah, so we, so much, uh, introductory foundational information is shared there and we love, love to have you come listen. That's amazing. And Fallon is the queen of reels. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're so sweet. <laughs> he is. They're so good. Is. And also she has the most incredible bone broth, hot chocolate recipe. And I have given that to several of my friends and clients who are trying to figure out how to get bone broth into their diet easily. And all have come back saying, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing in the world. So I love that. (laughs) It's been a huge help. And my kids are obsessed. They, they prefer that hot chocolate to hot chocolate without bone broth. So that makes me so happy. That's a win. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. This has been just such an honor and it was so much fun to have you both on the happy home birth podcast. Thank Thank you you for having us. I'm still so blown away by this episode. I don't know how I'm supposed to do an episode roundup. I'm almost feeling like a slow clap and a fade to music would be better, but I'm going to give it a shot. So let's cover some of the topics that truly stuck out. Number one was when Fallon mentioned how her home birth was not picture perfect. It required an episiotomy, which is indeed such a rare necessity, but very clearly a true one in this case. And thank goodness for a skilled and competent midwife who could perform this conservatively and without requiring any type of transport. It's so important to remember that we can control how we prepare for birth, but we cannot control how it unfolds. Balancing our ability to prepare with our ability to surrender is so important. And Corey, when considering Corey's story, I think what sticks out to me most is the concept of responsibility. Corey recognized that during her first birth, she gave her midwife the responsibility and power of being in charge of the birth. But now, she's had such a massive mindset shift, and she recognizes that she's driving the bus. And if you're inside of Happy Home Birth Academy like Corey is, you know that that's basically my running mantra. This is your birth, my friend. Nobody else's. Embrace that beautiful responsibility for the God-given gift that it is. Number three, trauma. It can influence so many aspects of our life, our health, our births, our relationships. Learning to unpack our baggage and accessing the tools necessary to do so is of so much importance. And it's a gift to not only ourselves, but our entire families including the babies we're growing and raising, especially them. And finally, the metabolism. It's not just something that allows kids to eat whatever they want. It's how our body is functioning on a cellular level. I'm going to be honest, I was so uncomfortable with the idea that maybe my body wasn't thriving off of starvation and maybe I did need to add some previously off-limits foods to my diet. But as mothers and mothers-to-be, our bodies are doing and will do amazing things. They deserve to be nourished and nurtured. 
And if it takes stepping out of my comfort zone to do so, so be it. So there you have it, my friends. I know this was a lot, and I imagine some of you are probably thinking this is all crazy talk. I promise I get it. Go check out the Freely Rooted podcast and Fallon and Corey's work and just see what you find. And before you hop off, would you take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram stories? Tag Happy Home Birth Podcast, tag Corey Malloy, and tag Fallon Danae, and tell me your favorite takeaway from this episode. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.